publisher podcast episode 83. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Publish Her Podcast. Today, I'm talking with Emily Anger about plot marketing. So you've probably never heard of this. Maybe you have. I had never heard about plot marketing, and I thought it was a pretty interesting approach to book marketing. Emily's whole um, idea and approach to this is making marketing less overwhelming and breaking it down. And as we all know, if you've been trying to market a book for any length of time, it can be really challenging and really overwhelming. So I'm sure you're gonna find some great uh, tidbits and information in this podcast interview. Emily is also a speaker in our 2023 Women in Publishing Summit where she's gonna dig into marketing even more. So if you haven't gotten your ticket yet, time is running out. If you are listening to this as it is live or just published, Um, on February 22nd, 2023. The conference starts on March 1st, so please make sure you get your ticket at womeninpublishingsummit.com before then. If you hear this after the conference, come on over to womeninpublishingsummit.com anyway. We offer monthly training and free webinars and other paid workshops and events, so you can come over, get on our email list, uh, join in on the monthly uh, events, and be ready for the next conference when it comes around. So I'm sure you're going to find this. I really had a great time interviewing Emily. She's got great energy. We had a great conversation and some really useful tips for authors as you're trying to market your book. So enjoy the show. Welcome to the Publish Her Podcast, a place where you can come to get inspiration, motivation, help, encouragement, and support in your journey to write, publish, and sell your book. Hosted by Alexa Bigwarf. Welcome back to another episode of the Publish Her Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about one of my favorite topics in the entire world, which is book marketing. So many people don't love book marketing, and I think that is largely because it's scary and a little bit overwhelming, and you don't always know where to talk. So our guest expert today is going to help us uh, get into the nuts and bolts of that and hopefully make it more uh, a more simplified approach to your marketing. So so Emily is a book marketing and publicity coach. She teaches poets, fiction, and creative nonfiction authors how to incorporate minimalist marketing strategies into their creative process so that they can become successful without feeling overwhelmed. She's worked in marketing and PR for over 10 years, and her career boasts titles such as assistant editor for a national trade magazine company and communications director for a Minnesota arts nonprofit that serves nine rural counties and three Native American reservations. Visibility and creative networking were an early passion for Emily, and so much so that her first marketing job was at the age of 16, where she convinced a small summer camp to give her a shot at their communications coordinator position. So not one to stand by and let the world pass you by, huh? You were just ready to jump right in there. (laughs) Unfortunately, a little bit. When I look back on my childhood, I wish it was a little bit more fun, but I was too excited. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, um, she runs the company Good Enough Book Marketing, which you can find at goodenoughbookmarketing.com. And I'll put her social media links and her other links in the show notes so that you can access those quite easily. But I am so excited to to talk with you today. Marketing really is a topic I don't think we can ever exhaust. I mean, there's just so many opportunities and so many different ways to approach it. 
I really love that you have this minimalist framework that you call plot marketing. So let's get right into it. What 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 is plot marketing? Okay, so I let me actually tell you a story if I can. Okay, I love stories. You guys are, your audience is writers, <laughs> right? We love stories. So I'm I'm making this up. This is just an analogy I'm making up, but I think you guys, your your audience will all relate to this because I think we've all done this. And this is based on something that has happened to me and my mother my entire life, okay? <laughs> so let's say my mom and I are both involved in some committee, right? And we have a meeting. And so we both have to go to the same meeting. So I decide to go visit her before the meeting um, so that we can get some one-on-one FaceTime first. And we get lost in conversation and pretty soon realize we should have left five minutes ago, right? <laughs> we're running late, but we're going our separate ways after the meeting. So we have to drive separately. So me, I, I have, I panic when I think I'm going to be late. Like it's some kind of character <laughs> fly if I'm not on time. And I don't know why. Maybe someday a therapist I'm, can I'm figure out way, so. <laughs> why. But I cut all the corners that we've all done when you're driving, right? I, I get buckled, but I do it while I'm in motion, right? I slide <laughs> through the stop signs. I slide through the orange lights when they're technically have already turned red. Things that I know, I've definitely speeding. I'm doing all the little things. And my mom is not because she is never going to do that. She never does. She's been, you know, just efficient and careful her entire life. And so every time I slip through an orange light, you know, two lights down, I get caught at a red, right? And then I notice my mom is like two cars behind me, right? Because she catches (laughs) up while I'm stalled at the red light a couple stops ahead. And maybe I'm lucky enough on this journey to get to the community center ahead of her and and I have finally like lost her but then I arrive late and I'm harried and my heart's pounding my chest because I've just taken my own life in my hands and everybody else in the road you know and I'm (laughs) apologizing and maybe it's let's say it's winter in the midwest because let's make this especially miserable so I have like a parka that I'm trying to like put over the seat chair as you know people are starting to the meeting is starting and maybe I make it in time and they've just started. So I'm like, yes, I did it. Right. I cut all these corners. I made it in time. Here I am, but I have forgotten stuff to take notes with. I'm rushed. I'm not going to retain this meeting. And my mom quietly slips in literally one minute behind me and pulls out her notepad from her purse. Right. She's missed a whopping 60 seconds that I did not hear by just driving carefully and just you know, oh, well, owning the fact that she's going to be a little late, but didn't actually miss anything important. So in marketing, the term ROI, which I'm sure your audience is familiar with, but it's return on investment. That was a bad return on investment of my time, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't have to risk and endanger people's lives on the road to make 60 seconds of time. So this is what happens with marketing. When you market your book, and, and you, you Google book marketing and you will immediately be terrified, <laughs> right? Like there's going to be so much to learn. There's going to be so many people pitching their courses, their products, their technology that will save you time and this and that. And it gets really overwhelming, right? So what I try to remind people is, yes, there's a lot of new stuff out there and those new tools can be wonderful if you want to try them. But the key is just to drive efficiently on the highway, right? 
right? The, the people, the engineers and the politicians who did all the research for public safety to figure out the highway system, like trust that they probably knew what they were talking about to balance efficiency of travel and public safety to get everybody where they're going to go in an appropriate manner of time, right? You have to trust the system a little bit. You have to trust the process is, is mm -hmm. a really common phrase you hear um, entrepreneurs say, yeah. trust the process, yeah. right? And so what I teach kind of minimalist marketing, or now I've developed something that I call the plot marketing framework is like, this is the highway. Okay. Now, if you're running late, yeah, it's too, it was too late. My mom didn't take the scenic route. She had to drive <laughs> on the highway to get to the meeting on time, but she didn't need every single distracting tool and every kind of time saving hack to get done what she wanted to get done right. or to get to the meeting on time. So plot marketing, so that that was the that is my heart behind plot marketing. <laughs> so let All me right. tell you what it actually is. Um, if you have heard of Freytag's pyramid, it is one of the many plot devices that people who write who are plotters use. There's so many of them, right? There's Save the Cat, there's right. the Hero's Journey. Like you could get just lost Googling um, all the different new ways people have come up to plot your book. But kind of the OG that I call it, the OG plot um, book plot. Um, device was something called Freytag's Pyramid. It was developed in the 19th century. I don't know if it was really the first, but it's old enough that it feels like it has to be pretty high up there. And it's literally just, if you, if you ever took um, a writing course in high school or college and the teacher were to draw it on the board, they draw a misshapen triangle, right? Where the left side is a little bit lower than the right side, but it is essentially a triangle. Uh -huh. And it implies that your character's on a journey. They go up the triangle, they hit the peak of the triangle, which is the climax of your story. And then they come back down, but they don't come all the way quite down because you're just visually implying that your character is forever changed by the story. So they're never going to be back quite to where they started. And then they're going to go on with their life. That is essentially Freytag's pyramid. It's just a story as a setting. It's your rising action up the triangle to the climax scene of your book. And then depending on your genre, usually your climax is what one to two chapters before the end, right? Because there's a little wrap up that you have to do. And that's the end of your book. So I thought, let's take this very simple framework that every creative writer, even if you don't know it, you use it without realizing you're using it. Let me explain marketing this way, right? What is your setting, your rising action, your climax, and your resolution? And since this is a plot device, I just went with the letter P to keep it simple for people. So when you are marketing your book, here's your four steps. You need to prepare, you need to publicize, party, and then preserve. I like the party part. <laughs> yes. Well, the party is literally your book launch party, right? right and and right. the party, let's not, that's the climax, right? Yeah, yeah. The thing you're growing up to. It's the day your book is for sale. And that's like the climactic scene in your book. And where is the climax in your book? It's almost to the end, right? It's the bulk of your book is before the, the climactic scene. Uh -huh. Just like the bulk of your marketing, all the publicity you do is actually before the book is even for sale yet. Although I would argue that the preserve part could be really, really, really a long triangle age uh, angle. Yes. <laughs> well, and, and so if you see the way that my teacher always wrote it on the board is when that triangle comes down, the line continues on. 
like for oh, infinity, okay. right? Okay. So it like okay. almost like you imagine it going off the chalkboard okay? because your, your character lives on, right? And right. so if you think of like a resolution, um, the denouement, I think is the fancy term. They have something called an open-ended denouement, mm-hmm. which is like just an open-ended story, right? It's not one of these stories where you wrap everything up with a pretty bow because right. your marketing shouldn't ever really end. You're always right. going to talk about your book. Right. Your book is going to live on forever. But um, just in terms of a manageable visualization for effort, yeah, absolutely. you can take a breath now, but don't lose momentum. And that's, and that's the big thing with authors is they, they put so much work in and then they burn out, right? right? And they just stop talking about right. it. And you need to preserve the effort that you created back in the publicized stage. Well, and then there's the other type of author. I appreciate this model so much because there's the other type of author who waits until the final moment to try and start doing that marketing. And that makes for a really crappy climax. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. You haven't built anybody up. Oh, can I, oh, let's, since we're doing storytelling, it's like kind of storytelling uh, conversation. <laughs> this is a true story. Okay. An author that I know that I have become friends with. I first stumbled upon her on social media. She actually friended me. Right. And so I start out as just kind of an acquaintance, uh-huh. don't know that much about this woman, and I'm not interacting much with her page. She does an interview about an upcoming book that is so early. It's like a year before the book comes out. You can't even pre-order it yet. Like right. She must have just signed her contract and then turned around and started talking. Right. And I was so anxious for this book because it happened to be about a topic of something that's actually happened to me in my real life. And so like, like this book, it felt like a need, like I need to read this book. But now I had a year, right? A year I had to wait for it to come out. So what happened? Well, first I found her on other social media channels where we weren't connected. I started interacting more on her page. Like I started, like we started almost developing this relationship. We're actually friends in real life now. Oh, cool. Um, But there's something called the rule of seven in marketing. You maybe have talked about this mm-hmm. on your show before. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you, you have seven to warm touches. up your audience. Right. You have to touch. Yeah. You have to have seven interactions. Actually it's more, but at least seven interactions yeah. before a client is willing to make a purchase. So when, when you have somebody who likes you on Facebook or signs up for your newsletter, they're still technically a cold lead, right? The, the work of building a relationship after they've connected with you is how you are turning them into a warm audience. So she spent that year where I was just tortured waiting for this book, but she was warming me up. Mm-hmm. By the time that book was av- like available for pre-order, I was like the first one, like I was ready to order it because what happened is I was just, I mean, you want your readers to be almost salivating for your book, right? right? Like you want them to desire it. Um, the climax of your story is a, a sexual reference on purpose, right? Like you're trying to build up to something. And the longer you do that, and the, the more you kind of dangle the carrot in front of your readers, the more you're, you're warming up that audience so that hopefully more of them that are on your list or following you on social media or however you connect with them are ready to, to buy. Yeah, I think, and it's so important. And I see this with my own book marketing stuff or even product launch or anything of that nature that you really do, you really do have to take the time to create that relationship, to create that, you know, to build up that, okay, I've seen this, I've seen it again, I've seen it again. Okay, now I'm ready. I really want this. And um, I think a lot of people also get worried about, so it's like you have two two camps, the people who are constantly like, buy my book, buy my book, buy my book, which those are the wrong seven kind of touches, I right. think. And then the people who are like, 
well, I made a post on Facebook three months ago, so everybody should know. Yes. And I, I tell, speaking of stories, I tell a funny story. So I published my very first book in May of 2013. So we're coming up on our 10 year anniversary. And um, I have been working with authors and publishing other books ever since then. And about two years ago, maybe last year, two years ago, who knows, COVID time warp, right? Um, I posted about a new book that we were launching and I got like multiple people from my friends friends on Facebook who sent me personal messages and they were like, you published a book? I'm so excited oh for you. And I'm like, oh my good gravy. Like, so it's like, that always reminds me that even when you think you are screaming at people, yeah. you're only touching. And I saw a stat that said something like only 4% of your followers will ever see most of your posts anyway. So Exactly. And that's because of the algorithm, but it's also because of the interaction. So, so back to the story of my now friend, you know, oh, I'm so sorry. Wait, 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 it totally yeah. went off track. There. Uh, no, no, no. That's okay. This ties in, this ties in. Right. So I was just so anxious for her book. Now she'll joke that, you know, by the end of kind of that, the chunk of marketing she did for that book, she was so sick of talking about her book. Yes. Every okay. author is right. You will yeah. get sick of talking yeah. about your book. Unfortunately, I didn't listen to every interview by by the time it got closer to the book coming out because I listened to so many of her early ones pretty soon you are just saying the same thing right, right. and that's okay though like I didn't like that didn't stop me from buying her book but it right. did help other people buy her book and what happens is is authors think I've said this too many times I'm boring people but actually like once I once I realized she was saying the same thing once I got quote bored I stopped clicking on her interviews, but I didn't stop following her or interacting with her on her page. Right. Right. Like, like I managed that. I, I recognized that. And I, you know, and, and, and your audience will do the same thing. They're not really going to get sick of you talking about your book. Right. That's so true. So I guess let's, let's go back now because we've kind of given the importance of why it is that everybody should be marketing and talking more. Mm -hmm. But again, marketing is such a big it can be such a big, overwhelming task. So what does your, what is your plan uh, put in place for authors so that they can build up to this climax, do the things that they need to be doing without feeling like they're just completely crushed by everything they have to do? Yes. So the thing I hope my plan offers the most is it offers some grace, right? That it, that it allows you to forgive yourself and it, and it also gives you um, tools to manage your own time based on, on your convictions. Mm. Um, as long as you are still following the framework, as long as you're like, oh, I'm still in the, pub the publicized phase, so I still need to be doing some publicity, it does not tell you how many interviews you need to do. Right. My plan is not that specific. It just reminds you where you're supposed to be on the highway to make mm -hmm. sure you're still moving forward. Um, so if you are aiming at certain, you know, bestseller statuses, you're going to have to go faster, like, right. right? But you are, you own that. And if you are, you know, writing something that's very personal and is, you know, uh, is maybe a story that is set in your location or your region. And you know that this is, you know, you're kind of trying to be a big fish in a small pond and you're a, a local celebrity, but you're not trying to be a USA Today bestseller. Mm -hmm. You still follow the same road. Right. But you can slow down a little bit. Um, and so, so that is the biggest thing my framework offers. And it also, I believe, helps helps especially new authors, if you've never done this before, understand how important the beginning is. 
the setting of your story or the prepare phase mm-hmm. is what I call it. So the prepare phase is when you get to decide how much you're going to do, right? You get to decide, okay, if I'm going to go on a, on a blog tour or a podcast tour, like how, how busy do I want to be? How many times a week do I want to be doing something? Um, and it, you get to kind of set that up a little bit. Um, and also just prepare yourself for, for the income, not, not literally income, although that too, but the income <laughs> of readers and fans. Um, one of the things that I think people don't understand so much about the prepare phase and even like this minimalist marketing is, is it only works if, if you are, have certain preparations done, right? You, you right. do have to be ready to be driving your car. Um, and so things like your, your website, your online presence, um, your media kit, like understanding, like you have to be ready to talk to the media before you start setting up interviews. Right. And if you have, let's say you're doing a traditional publishing path. So you're going to try to get an agent and land a traditional deal versus self-publishing. You're going to be waiting a year between signing the contract and the book coming out. If you're an indie publisher, you have more control, but you should still give yourself, you know, six months, three months, mm-hmm. if you're really, really trying to push it. But I, I always say, give yourself as much lead time as possible. But what happens is that that gets really discouraging, right? Let's say you spend three years writing a novel. This is your dream. This is your baby. Then you actually land an agent, which is hard to do these days. And you get to sign a contract with a, with a traditional publisher and you want to go and tell everybody right away. Right. But turns out your dream is still a year out. Yeah. And so it's just very anticlimactic, right? It's very def- deflating until you realize that there's stuff you can be doing in that year while oh, your publisher is yeah. getting the book ready. <laughs> like you have work to do actually. Um, and so that helps take up the space where it would maybe maybe new writers especially think, oh, this is just now I just wait. Now I've you know I've hurried up and now I'm in the waiting period. You're not in the waiting period. This is the excitement actually is right now. Um, so st- go ahead and start now. I like that. So what types of activities do you for somebody who's brand new into this, where do you have them start? What what are they doing to get going? To get going, I I always have them start with stuff like what is going to be the way you talk to fans? If you are brand, brand new, so you have like zero followers on any social media, you don't have a newsletter, you have no way for an audience to talk to you. The first thing I always do when I sit down with clients is like, say, tell me how you want your fans to be able to quote, reach you. Now, not reach you literally, don't give them your cell phone number, but we are living in a day and age where the personal touch actually matters and the accessibility actually matters. And it's for that same kind of rule of seven that we were talking about earlier, right? Where you were talking about the authors who just say, buy my book, buy my book. And they think that's seven um, touches. That is, no, that's seven sales pitches. Right. You know, that it's a relationship building. Those are supposed to be those touches, which means you have to build relationships, which means somehow your audience has to connect with you. I am not very picky about whether or not you have to let, have a newsletter or you have to be on Facebook. I just care that you choose a path, right? Mm-hmm. So, so pick one that feels comfortable for you. If you want to give TikTok a try, go for it. If TikTok sounds terrifying to you, try a <laughs> newsletter. Like one, at least two, if you can manage it, right? Just two ways for your audience to feel like they're part of your team Got it. and then set those up. And that that's a process, right? That includes setting up social medias. Isn't just, 
signing up for an account. You're talking about go on a photo shoot so that you can get like photos of yourself that are candid, that you can post, that you can turn into banners for your page. Uh, you're talking about uh, getting a Canva account in order to be able to do uh, those posts and then teaching yourself how to use Canva. Like there's a bunch of stuff that comes into that. And then I would also incorporate a website in there. I, I do tend to, to fall on the side of every author needs a website. I know that's kind of a, there are some people who think you can get away with just social media. I really yeah, recommend I'm, a website. I'm a website they're, person too. Yeah, There's... they're cheap and they look so professional and it make you stand out in this market, especially with the mainstream media. Even more so than that, though, is that they're still just, I mean, people are searching search engines mm -hmm. for things and just the yep. whole search engine optimization and the and the ability to have that backtracking. And also like when you're going on... Um, podcasts or you're doing interviews or things like that, especially if you're starting out so early in the process, like you got to have something for these folks. Exactly. So you got to have somewhere something they can find you to do something <laughs> yes. with. Exactly. Yep. So yeah, I'm, I'm a big believer in the website. I say that and I haven't done diddly squat with my author website yet, just because <laughs> I've been so like frantic with all the other things. So yeah. that's the thing that slid off of this particular minimal thing, but I will, mm -hmm. I had all these, I had all these great plans, Emily too. My book is set in 1999 <laughs> in Paris. I was going to be posting Ooh. all the photos of when I yes, was there I and all these things and like <laughs> yeah. writing blog posts about the people. And I haven't, I just haven't. So I, See, I understand. This, <laughs> this is where my minimalist approach comes in because I hear that all the time. Uh -huh. And and you can beat yourself up over the fact that you had all these great, beautiful ideas and they didn't happen. But if your marketing plan was, you know, podcasts and then maintain social media presence, not mm -hmm. even specific to I'm going to do this type of post this many times on this platform, just maintain posts every week somehow. If that was your like, if that's your base so that you at least don't drop out from that that mm -hmm. that we're getting into kind of the preserve phase at that point but you know just don't lose momentum that's right. important too you know right. i've had i've worked with clients where they just got so exhausted or they got so defeated because they did it wrong that they stopped doing anything you know they got busy we all get busy um but then people unfollow you or they just because they haven't seen you the algorithm stops favoring you so they don't even see your posts when you're ready right. to start again so it's really not about making the perfect post it's just about saying hi every once in a while in regular frequencies so that right. you don't get lost right well that's great so you um, work with authors at all points in their marketing journey to try and um, make sure that all of this is happening so tell us about who you work with and all of those good things Yes. So I, I mostly run a newsletter. Like that's the foundation okay. of my business. It's a free newsletter. You can sign up for my website. And this is what I do. I talk about a minimalist approach and I give you specific tips in that newsletter for like how to do this minimally, or maybe even talk about things that are complicated, but like, is this worth it? Or is this a way you can use a new tool without being overwhelmed? Stuff like that. Um, authors of all, all, um, all creative genres. So I don't work with nonfiction in terms, I do creative nonfiction, but not like, um, not business books, not educational resources okay. or research books, but fiction, creative nonfiction, poetry. Um, 
And I will do, I do one-on-one consultations to help writers set up a marketing plan if they don't know how to do it. But that's okay. really all I do in terms of one-on-one. I don't, I used to do actually done for you marketing services. And I've, I've kind of moved away from that to this more kind of online tutorial newsletter presence where I just equip writers to have the ability to do it themselves. Because I think in the world we are living in where they like that, where the audience wants the personal touch that that will give you the better ROI is to just be self-taught. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, how can people find you? Goodenoughbookmarketing.com. Goodenoughbookmarketing.com. There's, there's a great awesome. handout I have on there called seven book marketing um, tips that you can stop doing today. <laughs> Cause my whole, my whole thing is, is how can I save you time? How can I save you time? Yeah. Um, and so if you just go right there and you'll find me. Awesome. Well, I appreciate this so much. This was great information. I love the stories that you brought into it. I, I really like this uh, concept of, of uh, the plot method to get through your, your marketing. I think it's really cool and very helpful for people who just are like, I just need to do what I have to do. Don't make me do all these other things. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't make me do it. I don't want to yes. do it. <laughs> Which is a lot of authors these days, right? We all uh, wish we could just be Thoreau writing in the cabin. Unfortunately, we can't do that, right. but, but we can, we can try to fight for as, you know, we can fight for our time as, as much as possible and find a balance somewhere in there. I love that. I think it's great. Well, don't, um, don't delay, get over to goodenoughbookmarketing.com. Did I get that right? Yep. Goodenoughbookmarketing.com. Check out her, her stuff, get on the newsletter, all those things. And um, we will be seeing you again in the Women in Publishing Summit in March. So very very excited excited about that. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much, Alexa. Thank you for joining us on the Publisher Podcast. We hope to see you back for the next episode. Great, huge thanks goes to Jasmine Commerce for the use of her song. You can find Jasmine on SoundCloud. Go check out all of her music. We'll see you next time.